Never in my wildest dreams did I think I'd be talking about an NHL referee to start a show. But boy, Tim Peel has given us some excitement. How are you? It's Cody Jans and Adam Ermer Show with you. World Hockey Report presented by Lord Co. Auto Parts. Now open in Edmonton, Alberta on St. Albert Trail Northwest. A ton to dive into. Yes, we are going to stick in the North Division despite them. Finding out what COVID is, finally. we got Reed Wilkins coming on the show to talk. Oilers, Brad Schlossman coming on later. We'll break down NCAA, the ice hockey version of March Madness. How are you? Lord Co. Auto Parts, household name and communities across Western Canada since 1974. Trusted place to shop for your automotive needs. Lord Co. proudly Canadian-owned and operated now. Finally, in Edmonton, much more than just carports, car parts. Their new store on St. Albert Trail Northwest. Huge selection, aftermarket auto parts, accessories, dedicated truck stop, and much more. Visit them today for an exceptional customer experience or learn more about their products and services at lordco.com. Into the show now. Let's snap it over to Saskatchewan. The man who forgot we had a show last week, Adam Erman Trout, returns. It feels like it's been a couple of months. How are you? Man, it's it's been a crazy week. I've it's it's starting to become nicer. So as soon as it became nice, I was like, I don't know if I'll get a golf membership. I'll just go wherever. I was like, no, getting a membership. So got that in the works. Bought a new set of golf clubs. Um, I went to like a spin studio this morning at six a.m. So <laughs> oh, wow, it's been it's been a busy busy couple days. Do you have to like wear a mask the full yeah, time during terrible. spin too? Yeah, okay, it was so- like yeah. When I did spin too, when we were, I think it must have been in the States and we were doing spin at like first, dude, you sweat so much. They keep those rooms so hot, like doing with a mask on might actually kill me. Yeah, no, I mean, I hadn't been in a while. I knew knew the instructor and they're like, yeah, come out, whatever. So I I went and my mask was either too big or too small because I was pretty much just sucking that in the whole time. And then whatever, like the first, it was, it was terrible. The first five minutes, I was like, oh God, like an hour of this. And then eventually i i got over it but yeah you just no. you just get in shape for a senior hockey return or for the ashl yeah. summer, know, summer, season? summer bod you know whatever <laughs> that's fair yeah uh kind of procrastinating that one as well you've been procrastinating know. that for a couple of years you got gray on gray right now you're just full yeah. dad bod you've asked you huskies yeah. good sasky representation there mike babcock maybe he'll come on the show now we're big fans yeah. talking third person <laughs> Oh, I'm sure our people would love to watch that. So much NHL news. Do we want to dive into the Team Tim Peel stuff, or is there anything else? Actually, no, I didn't even ask you about your new clubs. What? Okay, tell everyone. What did you get? Um, So just the backstory, I have a buddy who... Okay, keep it quick. We don't need five minutes. Yeah, no, he, he has a connection with TaylorMade, so he Not got a, a brand new Sim 2 set, this, that, and the other thing. So there's that. Now um, he sold me his old set, like... M2 irons, M1 driver, some Titleist woods, some new like matte black tailor made wedges. So, yeah, pretty, pretty pumped about that. What type of ball do you rock? 
cops, whatever. Oh, <laughs> whatever. You, like, I, you are your driving get... range guy, aren't you? No, I'll go to Walmart and get their assorted whatever or tailor made recovered ones. Like I I don't think I'm good enough to know like the spin on the ball. You're you're buying like those like the, the big orange bags that like you like hit the golf ball the wrong way and it explodes into like colored mach- like paper mache. Yeah, nobody's like breaking any any records out here, but no, I'm I'm looking forward to that. Where where do you get your Mambi at this year? We're going to the Willows this year because Riverside. No, it's like just over the overpass, like in kind of by Stonebridge there. But uh, the old track doubled their prices or like they kind of switched up the age group. So they doubled their prices. So I I decided to switch it up. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. I don't think I've ever really golfed or seen the Willows before. What's the one in Warman? Isn't it pretty nice? Legends. Yeah, it's super. It's just there's no trees out there. So it's like, I don't know how you're supposed to like it. There's an ounce of wind. Yeah. It's like golfing anywhere in Saskatchewan. Great yeah. time, though. Actually, we got snow the other day, but, I mean, definitely got that golf itch. I'm not going to a golf dome, though. That, that's such a waste of time. It's like a knockoff. It's literally like the Dollarama version of, like, Top Golf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it wasn't. It's not great. Okay, we probably should talk some hockey. It's World Hockey Report here. Let's uh, dive into some NHL news. We are going to bring on Reed Wilkins eventually. But, uh, hey, he's got some Oilers media availability. Not going to hold that against him. Let's talk uh, NHL News Pro Rock Hockey Sticks. Canadian company changing the way we buy hockey sticks. Number one problem you face when buying a stick. Well, it's pretty obvious. They're $300 plus. It's wild. It's stupid. It's outrageous. Pro Rock top of the line stick weighing around 400 grams. That's Featherlight, folks, at the best price point. Check them out today. ProRock.com. That's P-R-O-R-O-C-C.com. NHL News. Let's start Tim Peel. He kind of... I wish I could play the clip. I'm not going to find it, though. But, I mean, essentially, he, he dropped an F-bomb on live TV while being mic'd up. NHL ref, long time. This is his last season. The NHL just gave him a boot, said, hey, retire early. There's so many different... It wasn't cases. the F-bomb. Well, no, but, like, that's also a huge part of it. Like, you can't mm-hmm. just drop an F-bomb on live TV. Everyone's like, that doesn't matter at all. It's like, hey, that like there's no way they're not weighing anything on that of, like, hey... We just had a ref drop a big F-bomb, a hard F on TV. And, like, I get it. It's a makeup call. But makeup calls have happened since, I mean, the start of hockey. It's nothing outrageous here. And you can't go, oh, let's play it by the book. And here's where I'll go on my rant right now is if you want to say call everything by the book, you're still running the risk of human error. And human error is going to happen when you have people refing. So if, if they make a bad call, yeah, they're going to want to make up a make. They're going to want to give a makeup call. That's just how it's going to happen. And, and until you want to go with the NBA version of video review on every single play, you're going to run into that. So I don't know. What's your thoughts on PL? Yeah. Uh, Duchesne went on a Nashville radio show this morning uh, and it was just like he actually said it to Philip Forsberg, I guess, or something like that. So Duchesne just said it was kind of ridiculous. Like, what if? They lose that game by a goal off that power play and they miss the playoffs by a point, whatever. So, yeah, I mean, makeup calls are, unfortunately, it's a part of hockey and I think they're ridiculous, right? Like, I think that you have to draw your own penalties, right? We just saw the Oilers play Toronto three times a couple weeks ago and I think they drew one penalty and they're asked about it and they're like, you know what, we weren't we weren't really doing a good enough job to draw penalties, right? Like you gotta play that heavy style down low and stuff. And we'll get into it with Reed about McDavid and how how his game gets called differently. But 
I've never understood there's a rule book and then it's like it gets to the playoffs and everyone's like, okay, well, the rules change. It's still hockey, but somehow the rules just change. And I don't really get the whole makeup, call this rule, change that, you know, put the whistles away. Like, obviously, the game should be called how it is. And refing is the toughest job probably in the world, especially hockey, too. It's so much faster than anything else. There's only two guys and adding a third guy wouldn't make sense. I kind of was thinking that was about the that, stupidest but... tweet. That was, well, no, I, I wasn't like, I promoting it. I was just like, Hmm, like I like, 100% you know, thought you were like, let's have five refs on the ice. No, like I think that slowed down the game too much. Then it gets to all these ticky tack. Like, yeah, it's a penalty. Yeah, it's not, but I don't know. I think it's a tough situation. And Tim Peel was like going to retire in a month anyways, but whatever. Yeah. There's, there's so many things here. And I want to he was also the guy who got hit in the nuts on a dump and, and scored, and scored on, the on the long go. Yeah, I know what a rough career. But I mean, he's he's been a long time ref. I think you got to give him some credit for that. Here's here's another thing that grinds my gears, and maybe I'm way off on this. And I saw a tweet about it. And I don't want to be a social justice warrior or someone who's you know woke or whatever you want to call it. But if 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 Tim Peel, you know, says something, maybe racist. Maybe he does something, says something sexist. How about the NHL's dealing with how they handle assault on women? And they're not suspending those guys for, you know, or they're not kicking them out of the league. They're not suspending them for this long. Why do we hold a ref more accountable than a player? Refs have I, always had yeah. a, refs have always had an impact on the outcome of hockey games. That doesn't change. But why do the, does the NHL, I think it's Colin Campbell, who really makes the final call here, hold a single referee more accountable than the actual players who make up the National Hockey League? That's what pisses me off, and that's something that the NHL needs to explain. Because I do not think for one second that what Tim Peel did is worse than the many other incidents that have happened in the league that have gone under the table. Yeah, I think the it's the NHL like it's their their own guys, right? They train the refs, they're not I guess it's it's kind of weird to say, but those guys are a part of the league, they're a part of the business, but the refs kind of are direct employees of the league. Um the whole the whole ref thing though, it's it's interesting the the NBA actually they have they have some terrible refs like I watched a little NBA, they have some terrible refs, but But the players are so bad at flopping. They're such a yeah. pathetic joke. But what they what they do well is they come out with a report where they admit wrongdoing, whether that L2M or last two minute report or what, whatever that is. I mean, P. Blackburn kind of floated out the deal or the idea, and I think that would be a very good idea for the NHL. Just hey, we screwed up here. We'll look into this because if a call gets missed, there's nothing, right? Like that cross check in the San Jose Vegas game that ruined me going to a night's playoff game two days later. Um, that that was nothing and there's been so many calls right and i don't know and you can't you can kind of review stuff you can't it's just it's all backwards and they need some sort of accountability and i mean actually a guy from the league i don't know if that's really going to change anything no it's not going to change anything at all do you do you know many refs like actually guys who are refs a couple dub guys yeah Okay, because I don't want to like cross any lines here. And actually, I, I know a couple of the guys that I actually played minor hockey with, and I like refing or lines and in the dub. But dude, some of them were the biggest losers ever. Yeah, they're on like a they power, were just like trip. 
yeah, spoon fed by their parents. They thought that they run the world. So I don't know. I, I already just have a sour taste in my mouth of the refs just because I've I've met like one or two who are actually like down to earth good dudes. And the others are just like they think that they're bigger than the game of hockey. So I don't know. I don't know Tim Peel personally, but if guys say what he was, you know, maybe he is a little bit of a loser who wants too much power in the game. Maybe he had it coming. I don't know. I just don't like how the NHL handled it. Let's talk other news. Unless you got anything else to add on that. No, I think other news that'd be good. Those are Andre Turini. He, Turini? uh, Turini. Well, yeah. The, the Canadian national program has finally listened to us on the show where they've hired a full-time junior coach. Uh, so he's going to be the head coach of team Canada, I guess, until whatever happens. And, it's going to be like he'll work with the Olympic team. He'll work with the world championship team and, and do all that stuff. But as we've said numerous times, like it's so hard to really, you know, focus on your junior team on December 9th and then you're coaching the world juniors two weeks later. So I think it's too much. And a lot of there's some bias that comes into it, right? Like if you're the coach, of the Ottawa 67s, you'll probably give precedent to that guy over a guy playing in Prince George or something like that. So, yeah, it's. It's a good idea. It's not like Hockey Canada's poor and can't afford it. So it's a good idea. And for what they want to do, it seems like with their systems and their program and everything where everybody plays the same style of hockey within Hockey Canada, then this is the way to go. Because it's not like you're getting in new ideas from these guys. It's all streamlined. And I don't know if you listened to the Brent Sutter interview on Chicklets. I don't know. We're not yeah. going to... We're not going to mute that out. I listen to Spit and Chicklets. We listen to Barstool. If you don't like it, I don't care. Flip us off here. But like... Brent Sutter, when he was coaching the World Juniors, they brought him in to change because it was too streamlined. They said, hey, we need a shake up here on these teams. Obviously, you got a couple of stacked wagons and he just ran show. But then when he turned it down, I think it was for a three-peat or four-peat, he said, the reason I did that was because our team in Red Deer needed the attention that year and I couldn't leave them for five or six weeks. And he said, at such a crucial time of the year, especially for a junior team, he just had to make that decision of what's more important. Is it the club team that's really paying my bills or is it the world junior team who I'm borderline doing them a favor for, you know, a tournament exposure? Yeah, it's there's a fine line. But for a Brent Sutter, I don't think and I mean, I, I believe he did coach in the NHL actually for a bit, but I don't think he was really pushing to get back into an NHL coaching gig. He was happy in Red Deer. I think he owned part of the team. I don't know if he still does or not, but. Yeah, Hockey Canada needed a better way, and, and yeah, good good for them. I really, I, I wonder if they would have offered a guy like Sean Burke that position because he's done so much for Hockey Canada too, especially, I mean, running some of those Wagon Spangler Cup teams. Like, bring in full-time guys. As you said, they're not hurting for money. They're crooks when it comes to the money world and hockey. Yeah. Like, come on, look at minor hockey fees and that registration transfers. It's It's stupid. So they've got money. Yeah, you got to find a better system, though. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, a lot of the times in junior hockey, if you're leaving on December 9th, your team probably plays four games before the Christmas break, like kind of back to back and that stuff. And then oh, easy out of that, four. out of that, you're, you're missing probably eight or nine games too. So, I mean, that's almost what I thought. I thought he said they were missing 12 or something like he yeah, was going to miss 12 in the time. You're missing almost like 15% of your season and all that. And there's also times where you have to go to the prospects game and the super series and you're coaching this and there's, yeah, there's, there's so much that goes into it, but you know, moving along here, what do you got? 
oh, you're going to throw NHL news for pro rock hockey sticks back on me. You're supposed to be this guy. Let's talk about the, the, the puck stealing incident there. I, I mean, that kid off the Sens wins his first game. I forget his name. What's his name? Philip Gustafson. That's it. He's so he gets his first win, flames Rasmus Anderson, grabs the puck for some reason after the loss, pretending he didn't know it was that kid's first win. He's thought about skating off the ice and he threw it on the ice, so then Matthew Kachuk shot it away. I, I don't know. It's kind of just a gong show that was blown out of proportion. And and here's my issue is the Sens did the exact same thing to Cade Primo. Carey Price had to go chase down the puck last year. Yeah. So I don't know. Like what where are we gonna play the innocent card here when the Sens did the exact same damn thing or tried to against Cade and Primo? I don't know. Hockey Twitter's so dramatic. Yeah. First off, I think the whole like getting the puck thing is like a little ridiculous. Like not ridiculous, but it's like, what, you're gonna get a plaque made up of it and throw it in your storage room in, in your house or something like that. So I think it's like it's a nice gesture to have, but Ray Ferraro said yesterday, he's like, I don't even know if anybody took mine or whatever. But um, yeah, so that's that. And I mean, I, I don't even know what to say, though. It's just like weird. It's like it's it's a piece of rubber. There's millions of pucks in the world. Go go tape another one and say from your first winner, whatever. Get the game sheet. I think it's more of an ethics thing, though. Like, I mean, it's the same thing as like a first goal. Yeah, no, for sure. Okay, um, what did you think about the the Jordan Bennington fake slash? I tweeted that one out again. I love yeah, that, it. I love it. He shows emotion. That's just how he is, right? And there clearly isn't enough of that in hockey, right? Whereas it's, it's the reason that we would have to tweet that out is because it's so rare, right? And like it'll get a lot of views and likes or whatever, but it's so rare. Like it used to happen once a week, pretty much or whatever, and now it's pretty much just Bennington. If you could pick out like the most psycho goalie in the NHL, it'd be Bennington 100%. Where if you look back in the day, there's you could probably list however many guys like Bill Ranford and Ron Hextall. And then like Ray Emery, I remember somebody's telling a story, Ray Emery fought a player in the one game and somebody's like, oh, I can't ble- believe you, you let your goalie fight. And he's like, he's the toughest guy on your team. Like, of course he's going to fight or whatever. So that's that, yeah. Oh, I love it. I love seeing the videos of Billy Smith squaring up with guys. Like, I'm an old-school hockey fan. There's nothing uh, to that. So I love seeing him square up. Also, a quick programming note. Reed Wilkins coming on at 1140 here. He just uh, texted. So we're going to reschedule that one. we got Brad Schlossman coming up here after the break. One more thing, that Gabriel cross-check in warm-up. Curtis Gabriel, I don't know. I mean, he got the wheels beat off of him by McDermott. But I love seeing that hate, man. I mean, you said tummy sticks for something on a, on a tweet. And there's nothing more I hate. You know that everyone who watches the show knows it. Bring the hate back in hockey. It's it's a part of the game, man. I don't want to see everyone be friends. I don't care. Bo Horvat blocked a shot. He's day to day. You can skate off the ice with a broken foot. Don't give me don't give me this. Oh, they gotta help him back to the bench. Shut up and stop being soft. Yeah, I I mean, <laughs> the game like I once again, Gabriel. There's not really any guys like that and guys patrol on kind of the red lines and warm-ups and now you got leon dreisaitl shooting the puck down the ice and warm-ups and there's just yeah whatever like you know nobody used to even be able to skate pretty much in the neutral zone in warm-ups and now guys are kind of going across just doing what they want because nobody really cares anymore but okay we gotta go off to commercial here but i got a quick story i'm gonna cut you off okay so we had this guy in juniors my first year is dustin pierce and so there's this one kid on helena he was a nasty player but he at the end of every warm-ups he'd shoot a puck down and into like our net right and so when this guy went to wind one pierce like ripped a slap shot at his gut like just bombed one of this guy's gut i think they both got two minutes to start the game it was the wildest thing we started the game four on four playoffs too it was 
just i i don't know i i don't like seeing that like hey i get it, it's a superstition but you probably deserve to eat one if you're gonna do that all right let's take a break talking college hockey i know they've got the bracket set brad schlossman coming up here after the break it's world hockey report cody jans and adam armatrell with you on 12 ounce sports we don't really dive south of the border too much but we figured march madness NCAA brackets, college hockey's buzzing. Let's dive into it. It's World Hockey Report presented by Lordco Auto Parts, your one-stop shop for quality RV, car, truck, or marine parts and accessories. Time to dive in. College hockey, UND writer, Grand Forks Hill, Brad Schlossman. Going to join us now here for Coco Vodka, Coco Rum. Great friends over there. Best drink you'll ever have on more shelves than ever across Alberta. Refreshingly different Coco Vodka Rum vacation in a can. Enjoy the Coco life with us. It's high quality ingredients. No fillers, no beer bloat, no cheap liquor. Coco Vodka, Coco Rum, the real deal. Lime and pineapple flavors on the way. Brad, how are you doing? How excited are you that college hockey we've got to this point? I mean, it's a lot further than leagues like the OHL have done. Well, you know, uh, it's uh, kind of an exciting time just because the playoffs are starting and, uh, you know, this is something that didn't happen last year. The the playoffs were all wiped out and, um, uh, you know, the, the season was cancelled uh, a day before the playoffs were set to begin last year. And so I think everyone has been excited to have playoff hockey back. Brad, you're uh, you're covering North Dakota. They're the number one ranked team. North Dakota Senators, pretty much at this point, with all their Ottawa prospects. But are they the the clear cut favorite? Yeah, I think they're they're definitely the the favorite. Uh, that being said, in college hockey, it's a one and done tournament. It's uh, not a best of seven, you know. So uh, I, I think if it's a, a best of seven series. Uh, you start seeing the the better teams uh, advancing in the tournament more frequently uh, in a one game shot. You know, it's it's crazy. Anything can happen. Um, so I, I think, uh, you know, college hockey fans understand that. Uh, in fact, the number one overall seed uh, in the last six years has a losing record in the first game against the 16 seed. So that shows you, you know, when you get down to this, it's just kind of, uh, uh, it can get crazy. That's wild. That's a crazy stat right there. College hockey all over the place. Hey, I know you're not in Minnesota, but I think it's the first time ever that all five D1 schools in Minnesota have made the tournament. I, I, that seems shocking to me. I mean, you know, they're, they're always pretty good. Like Bemidji's probably the outcast when it comes to Minnesota. But why do you think it's taken them so long? Like that seems like a college hockey hotbed. Yeah, I think uh, it's probably just more a product of, you know, you have 16 teams in the field and there's five teams in Minnesota. Uh, So, you know, you got to have all five of them be really good in the same year and all five of them find a way to fit into that 16 team field. And, uh, you know, this is obviously, like you said, the first time it's happened. But no, I I think there have been uh, years previous where a lot of these teams have been pretty good the same year but there seems to be one team uh perhaps that doesn't make it brad there's uh there's been so much hype around michigan this year with all their first round picks and all their their three guys in the top 10 that will will go in this year's draft but they've had a pretty average year like they're not by no means a juggernaut do you think that they're just too young like i know college hockey there if you're 18 and 19 you know you can be a good player but a lot of the times it's the 20 the older teams that seem to typically do all this time of year yeah you know i I think a lot of the best teams have really good mixes between older and younger players and uh you know you think back to 
you know, even BU a couple years ago, uh, they had that team that was really loaded. I should pull up the roster as I'm talking here so I don't forget guys, but uh, they had Clayton Keller and Kiefer Bellows, uh, Chad Chris. McAvoy? Uh, what's that? McAvoy? Uh, Charlie McAvoy. Um, they had uh, on the blue line Dante Fabro. They had Jake Ottinger in goal. Um you know, we're probably even missing like some first round picks. They were so loaded, but, uh, but again, they were really young and, you know, sometimes when you're a really young team, it can be tough. So, uh, I, I think Michigan has actually fared fairly well for how young of a team they are. And I think a big reason for that is actually Strauss Mann in goal. He's been really, really good for them. They've been able to hold down opponents, uh, offensively and, uh, you know, when they get on the power play, you can see the high end uh, of some of those guys. And I think we're seeing a, a guy like Owen Power uh, really develop in the second half of the year. He's really come a long way from the start of the year. And uh, I I think that's uh, fairly normal to see that guys developing as the year goes on. Brad Schlossman, our guest here for Coco Vodka, Coco Rum, Cody Jansen, Adam Ermjot on World Hockey Report. Let's talk about this 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 format here because is there not a little bit of a concern? And I've seen some tweets and some posts about it that they're not doing one big bubble for the finals here. And I know there's 16 teams. I know it's not as easy as maybe college basketball where there's more money involved. But is there some concern that COVID could have an effect on the outcome here? Yeah, I, th- I think that's kind of been a concern uh, since the start. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens here. Um, you know, college basketball, uh, even in the bubble, they had a team that had to, uh, you know, uh, VCU uh, got uh, disqualified for COVID when they showed up to the tournament. So uh, it happened there. Uh, will college hockey fare any better? I think we're <clears throat> hitting that time where everyone's probably crossing their fingers and, and hoping that everyone's uh, good to go. But uh, time will tell. Brad, who are some some dark horses to watch in this tournament? There's a couple teams here that kind of come around every couple of years, like your Quinnipiacs, your, your Massachusetts, I guess, and teams like that. Is there any dark horse teams that you really like? Well, I think one of them I kind of like is St. Cloud State. Uh, for me... Uh, they had some really good teams in recent years and just for, uh, you know, they, they continually got upset in the first round. Uh, I, I talked about how the 16 has a winning record over the ones in the last five, six years. Well, St. Cloud had the one overall twice and lost twice in those games. Uh, this this team seems a little more unheralded. Seems like it's coming under the radar a little bit, but I, I think they're pretty good. So I, I think they're a team who, if they make a little bit of a run, it won't really surprise me. They've been pretty good all year. Um, I, I think that's one team to watch. Um, another team that seems to be really uh, up and down this year is Omaha. Uh, they're a team that's going to create a lot of chances. They're going to give up a lot of chances. Um, but th- 11 of their last 13 games this season came against North Dakota and Denver. So they've been playing really high end, uh, competition night in and night out. So they have to play a really good Minnesota team first round. That's at the top of its game, but I don't think it's going to be a shock to Omaha 
to see the level that Minnesota's playing at because they've been playing teams that are playing at a similar level night in and night out. They need Evan Winninger back. Yeah, to win 11-9 games. Yeah. No, uh, where, where, will, uh, where will Adam Scheel sign at the end of the year? We're, we're up in Western Canada, and there's a lot of smoke around him and the Oilers. Is he, like, fully guaranteed he's, he's leaving? Uh, I, no, I don't think he's fully guaranteed he's leaving. I, I think he'll have that chance, though. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of uh, several North Dakota guys that will be uh, some of the uh, most sought-after free agents. Uh, you know, Adam Scheele, you mentioned, is one of them. Matt Kierstead, uh, defenseman, uh, is one of the most sought-after free agents in college hockey. Uh, Jordan Kawaguchi is another one who's going to get an NHL deal somewhere. So uh, they have some some guys to watch for uh, NHL fans, and uh, we'll see what happens in uh you know, when their season comes to an end. Hey, I want to ask about Jake. I, I know Adam wants to ask about the Hobie Baker. I got one more though. Uh, that Sanderson kid on the back end. I know Adam, Adam likes to compare him to Drysdale just because they were drafted close. But I mean, is he the real deal? Is, is he going to be an NHL stud one day? Cause he seems like he's got all the assets. Yeah, he's, uh, he's unbelievable. Um, he's the, the second half of the season. He's found a completely different level. Uh, his, his skating is just uh, incredible. He's one of the best skating defensemen I've seen, and I've covered North Dakota for, what, 16, 17 years. Um, you know, he can, his stride is just something else. Uh, I, I felt like early in the season, like he, he'd go on these rushes sometimes. He'd cut through the neutral zone. He'd gain the offensive line pull up at the blue line and kind of dish it off to a forward. And I was thinking, you know, Jake, you could have just skated to the top of the crease probably, you know, like you're, you're just, he's, he's just better than, you know, these other guys. He, he could have just taken it to the net. And I think uh, for me, I, I thought there was a game they played Omaha and they were down by two goals in the third period and they really needed to press for a goal. And Jake really pressed and it almost was like the light came on. Like he realized, Hey, I can skate around all of these guys. I can take pucks to the net. I can dominate. And, you know, he was, the, for me, at the NCHC postseason tournament, he was the best player on the ice, hands down. I thought he was completely dominant. And, um, you know, I, I think he's got a really, really bright future ahead of him. Sense fans are going to love love hearing that one. Uh, lastly here, Hobie Baker. I think the voting closes up soon. I've seen a bunch of names like everyone's like Caulfield's going to win. Shane Pinto's going to win. Holloway's going to win. Who is your gut feeling telling you that is a favorite here? Caulfield's going to win. Yeah. <laughs> There's really no question. Caulfield okay. is going to win. Um, you know, 28 goals. Uh, just he's a, a scoring machine. I, I think this is one of the this is probably the easiest uh, pick for the committee. I would guess since uh, Johnny Gaudreau won it. Uh, okay, I got one. I got, I got one. One more here yeah. for you, though. Dylan Holloway. I'm up by Edmonton. Everyone here is either on the fence. I mean, they'll call him an NHL superstar or a bust today if they can. What's your thoughts on Holloway so far this season? From what you've seen from him, he's had an awesome season. Uh, I actually think he he may be in the Hobie conversation if he didn't miss so much time. Um, his point per game is really impressive. Uh, I, I think he's had an absolutely fantastic season uh, for Wisconsin, but uh, Caulfield's going to win the Hobie. Yeah. <laughs>
Alrighty, thanks, Brad. We appreciate you taking the time here. Enjoy the rest of the tournament. And hey, I mean, give yourself a plug too. Where can people find you? I know you're on Twitter. I know you're writing for the Herald. Uh, you know, plug yourself. Yeah, uh, GrandForksHerald.com if you want some tournament info and Schlossman GF on Twitter. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for making the time today. For sure. Thanks, guys. Brad Schlossman, right there on World Hockey Report. A lot of college hockey insight. I mean, I, I do think that... Caulfield as a hobby is probably a lock at this point. I mean, anyone who's scoring 28 goals, that's insane for college hockey. How much how much have you like watched though this year to the point where I know I know you're kind of like Drysdale Sanderson in that part, but his description of Sanderson, you're kind of thinking, you're like, wow, this is a guy you could come in. And I'm not saying Kale McCarr, but you can see Kale McCarr's transition. It was smooth. It was easy. Yeah. And I mean <laughs> I've never said Sanderson was bad. I just said that you ripped him. No, here's the here's what I'm saying. You know what Drysdale is and is going to be. You know, really solid defenseman. And I think Sanderson, he could be like you know, bottom pair guy, or he could be like top, top of the class. Like because he was he's so raw. And I mean, at the World Juniors, you could tell that there's something there, but it just wasn't wasn't quite clicking yet. And Brad said that a light seemed to have go going off on him. So yeah, I. Th- yeah, going off. Uh, yeah, so I think, I mean, I'm really impressed. I'd, I'd assume he goes back to college much like McCarr did and just dominates, like, be the best player. Don't go to Ottawa. You don't have to go there. But, yeah, I, I think he's a could be a really good player for the Senators. Worst haircut in the world, juniors. Also, good yeah. Montana kid, though. Anytime you see someone from Montana doing good, uh, I got to give them a shout-out. Okay, any NHL, I mean, we didn't really – touch too much on that old Gabriel thing. I know we kind of mentioned that mean hockey's back, but dude, the fights aren't stopping. I know we talked about it before, like is fighting back in the NHL. These guys keep chucking them. I love it. I I, I love seeing the toughness. I think the flames, I mean, at their best, Daryl Sutter's going to start bringing some more toughness out of them. I don't know. I mean, what's, what's your thoughts? I, I think Revo went and chucked them the other night as well. Dude, it's, it's, this feels, this is old school. This is more fights than we've seen in the past, like Five years? I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I mean, the stage fighting's gone, and it should be. Like, you don't need guys just squaring up to to, to fight. Um, but no, I mean, there's a place for it in the game, because if there was no fighting, then you get guys two-handing. You get guys doing stupid shit out there, right? So, and now if you look at the divisions, pretty much one through six, even one through seven in some of the divisions, like, they're all within four or five points of a playoff spot. There's, all of a sudden, there's, like, 23 24 games left for a lot of teams so you're over halfway you're kind of in the stretch run here you're around the trade deadline and i mean it it clearly has gotten more competitive games are getting tighter more physical which obviously would would lead to more fights if teams have that okay i got one more thing also shout out garrett peel on congrats call up to the yeah, uh, the cap squad, squad but but you know i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna rip the ahl it's gonna seem a little contradicting but I think we all need to pump the brakes on these American League players this year. For the most part, for some of these young guys, great. It's awesome development. But the American Hockey League isn't even close to as good as it's been in the past few years. Right. I, 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 wa- I watched a bunch of games here over the past week because I was doing some, some scouting and stuff. And, dude, the hockey level, not close to the same as it's been in previous years. So I think everyone needs to take some of these numbers with a grain of salt. You know, there's going to be easy transitions. You're going to have your Trevor Zegers's Drysdale's, but for the most part, oof. I mean, that league's watered down this year. Yeah. And I mean, 
in a way you could argue that some aspects are better right where it's like Quinton Byfield playing for Ontario is probably better than whatever guy he's replacing. But he's not, he's not playing against no, any chellers or borderline yeah. any chellers. No, and there's there's six guys, I guess, on a taxi squad on every team across the league. So you look at that. I mean, the best players, I think, will still stick out. Like, I mean, the top scorers, I think, if you look at their numbers, like a lot of guys were having good, good last year's, or good last year and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I think like obviously there's some aspects that are watered down, but if a guy can go up to the taxi squad and, and practice there and show that he's close to being ready, then, you know, got to give him the shot. Let's head off to a commercial break here. It's Cody Jansen, Adam Ehrmantraut with you on World Hockey Report. Reed Wilkins going to talk Oilers after this. Well, COVID found its way to the north. We got our first few cancellations up here. Oilers Habs canceled. Oilers got to be off until Saturday when they play the Leafs. The Habs are off until Monday. I think they can, that's the earliest they can open their practice facilities. We welcome on Reed Wilkins here, host of Inside Sports, Oilers pregame postgame on 6.30. Chet to the show for Pro Rock Hockey Sticks, Canadian company changing the way we buy hockey sticks. Check them out today, prorock.com. Wilkie, let's, let's dive into this. I mean, the week off right now and the Oilers were buzzing. How much do you think this hurts the momentum? I mean, you've heard from the team now this week, the past couple of days, like they were, they were on a high after those Leafs down. Do you think this is going to set them back a little bit? Because now you got the time off. Sure, the rest is great. But there's got to be some sense of, well, we were buzzing. I think that rest is always valuable. I mean, as soon as a hockey season starts, a player's not 100%. So this will heal some bumps and bruises and allow them to recharge a little bit. I think it'll be good for someone like Kyler Yamamoto, who missed a couple of games. And, you know, now he probably doesn't have to worry about hitting anymore. Look, the the bottom line is we're, we're not really going to know until uh, Saturday to, about the effect, and then it's going to be talked about. I mean, it's kind of like, uh, you know, teams, uh, you, you see those sort of stats every year in the NFL, that one team is like 17-2 and two coming off a of bye week, and some of their franchise is 3-14, and 14, you know, <laughs> for the last few years, so... I, I just I think they got to deal with it. Uh, you know, Tippett said today they kind of had more of a scrimmage oriented practice to make the guys feel like they were playing a game and get some of that energy out. You know, I will it will it hurt momentum? I mean, the way I look at it is this: if you are truly a good hockey team, you should be able to deal with whatever uh, it throws at you. I mean, the Oilers used to lose the second half of back to back games all the time. Well, they were a bad team. They lost a lot of games most of the time. Now they're they're winning the second half of back to backs. Uh, I mean, they're what? I think they have two losses in the second half of back to backs under Dave Tippett. Well, they have a better team the last two years. So, like, if they're truly like a good team that can handle anything, then they should be able to come out on on Saturday and have energy and rely on their structure and do the things that they do well. I mean, what, like if, if they're in the playoffs and they sweep somebody and get a, get a week off, well then, you know, you can't say, Oh, well they shouldn't have swept them because that's too much rest. No, you got to be able to handle it and play well, no matter what. Yeah. Crazy how that works, you know, winning back to backs and being a good team. But I want to ask you kind of about this Tim Peel situation with an Edmonton focus. Um, we've watched every game almost that Connor McDavid's played since he's come into the league and, like, just what are your thoughts on the whole calling the game difference? Because in the neutral zone, when he doesn't have the puck, he could probably draw a penalty almost every shift. Well, first of all, Tim Peel got caught doing something all referees do. 
And, you know, I was in touch with uh, three or four former players this morning, and they all said, well, that happens all the time. It shouldn't, but it does, that there's makeup calls or or counting power plays and, and all that kind of stuff. And I, I think it's one of those things, as, as fans, we all accept that it's not right, um, <laughs> but we're so used to it. I mean, look, we, we all know if there's – three penalties in a row where the other call is probably going, unless it's an unavoidable call or an automatic call, like shooting the puck over the glass or, or something like that. I mean, I I can remember, um, you know, different sport, but same theory that when I used to call basketball games at the U of A, it was nice because we got to sit courtside right beside the bears or pandas bench. And you hear a lot of interaction Every basketball team has a scratched player or an assistant coach who counts total fouls. And you hear refs saying, like, seven on us, uh, you know, only three on them. Where's our call? Like, they're always working the refs away. Now, there are more calls for for fouls in basketball, obviously, but that's it is part of the game. Is it right? I don't think so. uh, To one degree, I feel bad that he got caught. I think it was probably kind of dumb of him to like. Uh, he was apparently talking to a Nashville player. It's yeah, like Forsberg. why would you why say that to a, to a player? That's where I would, and that's the one thing I want to I, I you know I want to ask like a couple of former players about is even if you know it's happening, why would the ref admit it? Like oh I owed them one or I wanted to get them for something. That that's the thing where I would kind of question peel but we all know officials have that mindset and, and we all know that teams and fans kind of go along with it as for the mcdavid stuff i agree there could be more penalty calls on him uh i think we've dealt with this with stars in the nhl for a long time gretzky lemieux hall i mean brett hall used to get really mad about it Dif- different era but he was still being impeded and had to deal with it i i think ultimately fans probably want fewer penalty calls, right? Because you don't want a ticky-tack call going against your team late in the game if you've benefited from them earlier. Um, McDavid, I mean, he's interesting to watch. I mean, look, guys, we have to accept, too, he's not an angel out there. I mean, we see him, as he skates by guys, he often will thrust his left hand into the other guy's midsection or into the crook of his arm because he also tries to draw penalties, which I don't blame either. That's that's part of the gamemanship. I think the ones for me, that, the, the ones that bother me more for McDavid are when he's obviously beat a guy and then a player puts a stick on him, you know, when McDavid has the puck. And then it's, it, it's not called because he's slashed across the hands or slashed across the stick and then maybe he loses control, control of the puck. I don't know. Like, it's an interesting debate. To me, it's one of the most interesting ones in, in sports, you know, how many power plays in hockey? How many uh, fouls in basketball? How many holding calls is appropriate in football when you can call almost every play? How big should this should each should each umpire have the right to his own strike zone in baseball? You know, which they would say, "I got a personal strike zone." Well, you shouldn't. There should just be a strike zone. <laughs> Reed, I, let's dive back to the Oilers. I'm going to keep this one short, though. I mean, they always talk about peaking too early, and for goaltending, Mike Smith has been unreal in these past, you know. 10 starts for him. Do you think he might've peaked too early here? Because to hold this up for the rest of the season, I don't know if that's sustainable. Well, no, I don't, I, I don't think so. I, I think if a player is playing well, you just got to take it and trust that he's professional enough and, and a good enough athlete to maintain it. 
you know, I get the still get the concerns about Smith because he did have a couple uh, outstanding sections to the previous season, but he also had a really big down. So I understand that th- there is the concern that the down is coming, but I think you got to enjoy the ride that he's on. Look, if you just if you just dove into being a hockey fan this year, you would think Mike Smith is one of the best goalies in the NHL. You wouldn't care that he's just turned 39. You wouldn't care that he had a down part last season. You would just think, look at this guy. Like he's he's helped turn the Oilers around after they were after they were three and six. So you know, I, I think they'll they'll keep going likely with this. You know, he usually plays two in a row, then Koskin gets one. Staylock might play if he's healthy. I think they want to see what they have there. But yeah, I mean, I think Mike Smith is uh, is very focused. I think he's in excellent shape, and I think just enjoy how well he's playing right now. I got to ask you about uh, Leon Drysaddle. I've seen him probably play thirty times in in PA and Kelowna here, and just I mean, the comparison was Kopitar coming out of the draft, and you know that's a good player. I was like, if he gets there, I'm happy. He's flowing past that. Uh, have you ever like been around a player who you don't know if they're a better shooter or a passer? Well, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, because his shots his shots come a long way, for sure. I mean, probably a better comparison now is Yager. Really, yeah. if you look at how he protects the puck, but I, he's almost he's almost moved into a class all of his own. Be, and like you said, because of his finishing ability, and, and he still is one of the best passers in in the NHL. It's it's been fun to watch him evolve. Uh, you know, I think some previous coaches uh, like Todd McClellan and even Hitch, the short time he was here, played a role in that too. Sort of pushing him and. You know, Todd often said, like I've told Leon, you can be the first star in a game. Like it doesn't have to be Connor every game. Like you can go out there and and take control of it. He's like he's an interesting player to watch because he's I think he's an incredibly driven human being. Um, I mean, I certainly don't know him personally, but he just strikes me as the type of person who's very hard on himself. Like it's it amazes me how how seldom he smiles, even even after he scores a big goal. Like I think he just expects himself to 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 do it so rather than celebrating he's just like well of course i had to do it you know that's my job you know <laughs> he's happier <laughs> for Cahoon. yeah but he's uh, i mean he's 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 an awesome player i mean second leading scorer in the nhl behind only his uh his, his amazing teammate and i still think those two guys are entering the peaks of their careers like that's what's exciting to me you know generally as players get into their late 20s it really starts to round out for them and even if their point production drops, they're better all around and they're better at imposing their will on a game and better at knowing what type of game they need to play that night. And that's really exciting. They're just incredible. Three Wilkins from 630 Chad here, World Hockey Report, presented by Lord Co. Auto Parts. More on the Lord, learn more. Lordco.com. Follow them on Lord Co. Auto Parts on social media. Reed, put your uh, Ken Holland hat on here. I got three people I want to ask about their next contracts. And I just want you to give me a couple of numbers, maybe a thought here. RNH, let's start with him. Uh, well, first number, uh, it can't be a seven. I think, uh, just, it just can't be, I I do think he's going to be back. Yeah. I I mean, I would hope to, it would be cool if they could get him like maybe 6.25 or six and a half and certainly five or six years. Yeah. Darn on theirs. Well, that's an interesting one, isn't it? (laughs) And what if he scores 15 goals? Yeah, I know. <laughs> in fifty-six games. Yeah, I mean, you're again. You're you're probably now. I think that that some of these guys are eventually going to have to understand that the the big raises aren't there. 
even if even if they look around elsewhere. But uh, you know, he's playing like a defenseman that is going to have to probably probably wind up over six million dollars as well. I just I just think that they can. I I just don't think they can afford to have contracts getting up over over seven million though with these guys, given that it's a it's a flat cap and you're still going to want to have depth on the team. I do wonder how many guys are going to think about this and be like, well, Seattle's going to have some cap space. Maybe if I want my payday, I got to find a way to get over there. Uh, last one, Tyson Berry. Well, I would keep him. I mean, I would absolutely keep him. I, I think if you could get him. Now, again, he's like he's one of the best offensive defensemen in the league, uh, but you you can't go too high. I, I, I mean, I'd certainly maybe do something around five a year. I've seen that number being thrown around. Maybe you don't give him as much term either. The thing is with the three guys you just talked about, I do really think they want to be Oilers. And that was the interesting thing about Barry. I mean, the, as soon as the Leaf season ended, from everything he has said and we have heard, his heart was set on being an Edmonton Oiler. So if they have a good season, do they say, okay, uh, I can chase an extra million dollars a year with another team or, or pinch the Oilers for it? Or I can think to myself, I'm going to be in my prime and playing with Connor and Leon on, on a team that might be on the uptick. I, I do think that in a flat cap world, that might be worth something. Yeah, I, I'd hope he sees it that way also. Um, I kind of want to ask trade deadline, although it, it feels like nothing's really going to happen with all the cap space and like there's so much cap space for this team coming up. A Neil buyout makes a lot of sense. A Koskinen and buyout could make sense. Just what are your thoughts on what they do at the trade deadline and maybe what they do in free agency? Cause there's a lot of smoke around Zach Hyman. If they do a bunch of stuff, just kind of your thoughts on the team going forward. I don't think that the Oilers will be a headline team at the trade deadline. I feel like I've said that every year. Uh, I've covered the team going into the deadline though. Often they've been you know selling off, uh, Players, they, they just, like Holland said, it has to be money in and money out. So you can't go get Taylor Hall. I mean, maybe he could do something for uh, you know, a, a prospect or a depth player or a depth player if he wants to maybe bring in a penalty killer or add a little depth on, on defense. But I don't think he's going to do a ton uh, ton there. Though I do think they'll, they'll be a trade or two. But they might not even be as significant as last year. And I know those three trades didn't turn out to be overly significant because Green opted out and then Double A didn't come back. <laughs> for for free agency, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're there's I mean, let's face it, they 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 still need a top six winger, and I think they could to be a Stanley Cup contender, they still need a better third line. I, I look, I don't know right now who that's going to be. I, I mean, I, I don't, I usually don't look that far ahead. Um, especially considering that the team is doing well this year. So I focus a lot on, uh, on this season, but I mean, the defense has, has turned out pretty well. They got Bouchard standing by. So I don't know if they necessarily need to go hunting for a defenseman, especially if they, they bring Barry back, but I think you'd still be looking to round out a couple guys in the top nine, ideally. Wilkie, appreciate you taking the time this morning. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Reed Wilkins right there from six thirty. Chad, be sure to listen to inside sports six to eight. Every single weeknight. Adam, let's wrap this up here. we got a couple of segments to get to, and it starts with Quackstats. Who are we going to bench this week for Quackstats, the most advanced player tracking technology? Who are you sitting? Well, uh, I guess you'll t- you're you're taking my original one, but I'll take the, the city of Regina just because 
the town's not a great, not a great city, but they, for some, somehow in Saskatchewan, they've just set, they have like over half the COVID cases in Saskatchewan and all these new variants. And I don't know what they're doing down there, but be better. Be better. Be better. I'm going to bench the Saskatchewan government for shutting down the SJ. And here's my thing. Every other junior A league's pretty much getting approval to play. And if you want to talk about, oh, well, maybe you put them in a bubble format, send them down to Swift Current. There's 20 cases in the entire southwest region there, I think it is, or something like that. Like, you're going to tell me you can't safely put these players down there, get them tested, spend the money, and let them finish up a season, even if it is short, and send them right into the playoffs right now? I don't know. The Saskatchewan government's a joke right there, and that's a pathetic decision to end someone's hockey career, especially the 20 bombs, just because... You're worried about 20 COVID cases in in a, in a region? I don't know. If you can't plan that far ahead, you're clearly hollow between the ears. Uh, let's go to a mybookie.ag. Better than night or better than night. Brought to you by mybookie.ag. Use promo code one two oz sports all caps no spaces. Mybookie.ag. They're gonna match your first deposit up to one thousand dollars. Who are you liking? Uh, I'd probably take the the Flames. I know they're a joke against the Senators for some reason. The game's at three o'clock. I don't know why, but it's oh, an earlier weird. game. And then. I'd go Winnipeg Jets puck line. I mean, Vancouver's missing their top two centers most likely. And I think that the Demko 955 save percentage he's rocking over the last month isn't going to continue. So I'd go those two. Yeah, I heard Philly Pete actually shout out to him his show uh, Tuesday to Thursday, 12 ounce sports. But I heard him talk about the Jets and how they're uh, pretty profitable. Also, I like the Flames in regulation. It's like plus 105 to win in regulation, they're going to have to bounce back. You got to beat the Sands. I think that's a pretty uh, fair bet. I don't know. Okay, actually, let's. Uh, I want one more here. We got a minute. Adam, think quick here. Ken Holland, put put his hat on. RNH, what's his deal? Just just numbers here. Yeah, I just want no, I, term, I, term I can, price. I completely agree with Reed. Like five or six by six point two five. Like he's a winger. It's pretty clear he's a winger. Like he's he plays center as a like if they okay, can handle Darnell the Nurse. matchup. Uh, I, I honestly, I'll, if you could get him at six by six and a half, great. But I feel like it's a seven by seven. Yeah, I agree. Tyson Berry. Five by five. If he doesn't get a $6 million offer for some other team, I think, I think I, we're all being frauded. I here. think he's ridiculous if he leaves. Like where, where are you going to go where you're going to get this type of production? Like if he goes to any other Money. team. Money talks. Like, He's, his family's rich. Ask, ask Leafs fans. That's why Zach Feynman's going to sign for 700 grand because his dad's rich. That's going to do it. Cody Jan- Jansen, Adam Urban Trout here. Huge thanks. Reed Wilkins, Brad Schlossman for hopping on the show here. Lord Co. Auto Parts, Coco Vodka, Coco Rum, Pro Rock Hockey, Six Quack Stats, everyone who makes this show possible. Until next week, everyone, be kind, be better. <laughs>